What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Hard count. Dirt and Sprague. No Sprague today. He's taking the day off. I would like to wish him a good morning. He told me he was going to wait until 10 a.m. to wake up. I highly doubt he made it that long, but if he did, I'm his alarm clock. Good morning, Sprague. Oh, no, I got texts from him far earlier in the oh, morning. Oh, did you really? Yeah. That's too bad. Today's his day to sleep in. That's a little disappointing. For somebody that gets up at 445 on a regular basis, even when I was on vacation last week. You can't make it till 10. I'm rolling over. You know, it, it's a miracle if you get to 8 o'clock. Yeah, that's, yeah. I feel you. I feel Sprague. So, unfortunately, he is out today, but a good little three-day weekend for him. Lots coming up on the show today. It is a Friday I love Fridays. We're a couple hours away from the weekend officially beginning, so let's get in, get out as quick as we can, because that means we're that much closer to drinking some beer and barbecuing. Uh, Loaded show. Let's set it up quickly for you. Josh Sweeney, really cool story. He's going to join us at 1045. Uh, If you don't know who he is, he is uh, the captain of the U.S. Paralympic sled hockey team. He scored the game-winning goal in the gold medal game against Russia in 2014. He's a recipient of the Purple Heart during his time serving in the Marines. He's going to be in town this weekend doing some cool things with the Portland Winterhawks. So he's going to join us. Awesome story at 1045. Coming up in about 10 minutes from now, we'll get to the dumpster fire that is the Washington Redskins. Bottom of the hour is Chris Borland, a danger to the NFL. I say yes. We got some audio to play there. And then 11 o'clock, there was a a list of the all-time great college football players that was released. The 75th anniversary team. Uh, We'll see who was left off, who who should have been on, who should be off that list. We'll go over it at 11 o'clock. We'll start, though, with an embarrassing note for me. And, you know, I walked into the building this morning, and I was ushered by the number one. Number one that's what we call him in the building. He's number one. But his, his people met me at the door as I walked into the building, and they ushered me directly into his studio and threw me right on the air. He's got people. They stand around. They're in sunglasses, you know, trench coats. They're very intimidating. So they usher me in, and uh, I'm, of course, talking about Bill Prescott. Who uh, who joins me now, Bill? How you doing, man? Hey, can I scratch one thing off my bucket list really quick? Yeah, what do you got? Line four in Gresham. You're on ESPN Sports Radio, 1080 The Fan. <laughs> there, <laughs> wanted to do that. Just wanted to say that. All right. So, yeah, a, a little a little backtrack. I I, uh, I hosted uh, Dirt and Sprague yesterday at uh, what you called Casa Cas- del Prescott, which means House of Prescott. House of Prescott. And at one point during the after we got back from lunch, he's looking at my blu-ray collection and he's going uh do you have star wars on blu-ray it's right there if it was a snake <laughs> it would right bite there. him yeah, yeah the yeah. box set all six of them it's right in front of me and then he goes can i borrow them <laughs> i hate loaning out blu-rays but i know where he works yeah hey we're like 15 feet away we're and, two studios down but i'm the guy that's more likely to just buy you a set just <laughs> yeah. so i know i don't have to lose mine but here's where the startling thing came out when he said to me I've never seen Star Wars. Yeah, look, I it is something I'm extremely embarrassed by. And well, it's it's not something that I like to openly talk about in public. Okay, why haven't you fixed this? Well, here, let me, okay. You, I, you I am actively seeking to ratify this problem, okay? And the reason why I have not seen, I've wanted to see them for quite some time. They're always randomly on TV, but you never know when it starts, so I never see it from start to finish. I've seen bits and pieces on TV. They're not on demand anywhere, so you can't just go on to your Comcast and watch them. They're not on Netflix. Sprague, the wonderful co-host that I have, owns them on VHS. Like, that's a big help. <laughs> I don't think VHS players still exist. So I have not had an avenue to watch them until I'm drinking beer at Casa de Prescott, and I see you have the DVDs. House of Prescott. House yeah. of Prescott. So the question that I have, though, and I'm going to need the listener help on this one. What is the correct order to watch them in? Oh, that's easy. Four, five, six, one, two, three. Okay, so you do not go in chronological. You no, don't want to start no, at the no, beginning no. of the story. No. 
That's fun once you know them all by heart. That's kind of a fun way to do it, but not at first. To start from the beginning and go one through six. And I'm walking around the, the, the <laughs> fan cubicles this morning trying to tell as many people as possible that you've never seen Star Wars. You're really throwing me under the bus this afternoon. So I go up to Dusty. He's sitting there at his desk. And uh, I go, hey, you know what? <laughs> Dirt's never seen Star Wars. And he says, neither have I. Dusty hasn't seen him either? He says every time he's, he's tried to watch it a dozen times and every time he watches it, he ends up falling asleep. That's his Ambien. How about that? Yeah. That makes me feel good. I'm not the only one in the building that hasn't seen them. So I've got, I'm going to, can I share the solution here? Am I stealing your thunder? No, you, yeah, go ahead. Share the solution. So I, I, I'm okay with loaning the Blu-rays, but I thought, well, no, you're going to watch the first one with me at my little home theater room. Okay. And by the first one, you mean number four. Number four, which okay. is See, one. this is confusing. These numbers are confusing. Right. For me. You're going to watch A New Hope. And I thought, okay, we is can that have. Is entitled A New Hope? Yeah, it is. Oh, really? And I thought one well, I could have consecutive, you know, fun days where eventually we watch all six of them. But I don't think I want you in my house that many times. Is six times? Yeah, we could just go one long day. Can you do a marathon, eighteen hours, <laughs> eighteen hour hours? day? What do you think? I've actually pondered that. That would be kind of cool. You have you a see, day where you have nothing to do. How many you can fit in on a Saturday? What a great activity for a snow day. Oh, that's a phenomenal activity for a snow day. I'm with so, you there. Yes, I want you to be my guest for Star Wars Episode Four, which is one or one that's four. Now, is Dusty invited? Should we invite Dusty? Is that kind of a stupid move I just made mentioning it on the air? Sure. <laughs> sure, why not? Bring him. How many people? We're going to welcome all listeners into your house. Anybody who's <laughs> never seen Star Wars. All there the will fan be listeners in a, my house. A watchathon at Bill Prescott's house at a to-be-determined date. Uh, we're already getting some texts coming in from people. Start with number four. Yeah. Uh, because if you start with one, you won't make it to the good ones. Now, the last three were really that bad. I like them, but I'm dopey. You're in the you're in the minority in that category. Well, and the prequels, I think each one was better than the one before it. Everybody says Episode Four, which was one. Yeah, oh, it was the worst. And now that, that's is that the Jar Jar Binks? Yes, that he's, was Jar he's Jar in Binks. that one because that's what Sprague always says to me. He said you can't start with number four because you don't want to start with Jar Jar Binks. And 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 Lucas and his crazy mind told them in this order for a reason anyway. Um, but yeah, you've got to see them all because now J.J. Abrams with the franchise, breathing new life and new blood into it. I think they're going to be, I just have this feeling they're going to be really darn good movies. Pardon my cousin. Yeah, I, I like starting this out with some hot Star Wars talk. This is fun because this is something I've, I've never done. And, and I'm pretty proud of my movie watching prowess. I like to think of myself as kind of an old soul and somebody who's seen a lot of good movies. Well, and earlier this week, I admitted that I'd never seen Goonies because that Goonies house has been in the news in Astoria. And I thought I was weird enough, but you... You yeah, and that blew me away, Prescott. That you've never seen the Goonies, mainly because you're from the area. Yeah, and that was filmed in Oregon. It's kind of an an, an Oregon treasure, if you will. Well, I told you one of my few great regrets in my life: turning down a bit part in Animal yeah, House. Yeah, this is why hanging out with Prescott is cool. First off, I want to say this as well: you have a, an awesome music collection. This is from the party day, Prescott, yesterday at the Prescott household. Yeah, awesome music collection at the Prescott household. You know what artist he has on his playlist that blew <laughs> me away? Blame my nephew for that. It's Fifty Cent. There's Fitty two songs. Cent. He's got Into Club and High All the Time, I think is the other one. Yeah. 50 Cent on the Bill Prescott playlist. That was phenomenal. But you... I got a big hard drive. This is turning into an interview, and I love this, because I could talk to you for hours about radio. You, you've you been around for a long time. And, That's and you're, why I didn't want you over six times. You're, no, you're number one in the building, so we like to pick your brain. But Prescott was offered a role in Animal House. Just a bit part. I was in a drama class, and it was a Fall of 77. They're filming it there. And you were and, at the University of Oregon. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to, I had my 70s long hair. I didn't want to get my hair cut. Ironically, about five months later, I'd get it cut to, stake, to take a job at Disneyland. 
So who got the part that you were? No, in? no, it was just it was all the crowd scene thing. You would have been dancing in a toga or at a party. It was just oh okay, yeah. But but how cool to be even pointed at because we didn't know exactly. it was going to be the epic movie Nobody that it did. became for so. the rest of time. You could have pointed that and say that was Bill Prescott. That's, That's really me. Little my... known fact, I believe that was Kevin Bacon's first screen credit. Yes. Yep. As a matter of fact, it was. And even John Belushi was brand new to Saturday Night Live. I mean, it's kind of cool when you're at campus and you see all the Universal Studios trailers right. and all that, but. Nobody knew because most movies that are made bomb or yeah, you had no clue it was going to turn into this cult classic that's going to be around for 30, 40 years. Yeah. So but my new my new motto was take a, a role in every movie ever offered. You know, I'm pretty proud of my man cave, which is I have a, I bought a house this summer and I'm, I'm a bachelor. So it's it's really a man house. I don't necessarily have it like my sports memorabilia is up in the living room because, I you know, I live by myself and I have a house. But the the man cave at Casa de Prescott is impressive. You yeah. got you got gold records. You got a, a Joe Perry signed guitar. But yet, uh, how how I don't know how uh, uh, Sprague had to go settle into that little unused corner of my place, that little <laughs> sitting little room, look. and call it. It's a bit feminine. <laughs> he, did, he did. He said your place was a bit feminine. Just that corner of it. And then you let him into the man cave. Yeah, and, and he saw the den. And but. he saw the den, and that was that was about it. I want to read a couple of texts quickly because. We're getting a lot of thoughts on on what order to watch Star Wars. And this is a contentious issue because you guys are both on the side of four, five, six, one, two, three. Affirm. The order in which they came out. But I've heard a lot of people say you should watch them so you know the whole story and the background of the story as long as you make it through all six of them. Uh, I have done a Star Wars marathon. At the end, I was dreaming about Star Wars. Uh, I got OCD. This is another text. So I have to watch them in chronological order. Um, for a lot of people, though, say in four, five. Oh. Four, five, two, three, six. <laughs> what? That one throws me off a little bit. I heard I got called it four, five, one, two, three, and six. Wh- was I had a guy call me and saying that. So, now I'm thoroughly confused. So you you get the gist. You introduce to all the characters. Then you have a flashback with one, two, three, and then <laughs> six is the ultimate finale. This is too complicated. You know, as long as That's nobody a nerdy for me makes me watch the Lord of the Rings movies again. <laughs> hey, easy. Like Sunday morning. <laughs> makes me want to go watch more preseason NFL football. It does, doesn't it? For some strange reason. Well, I, you know, Prescott ushered me into his studio when I walked into the building today, and I said, you know what, Sprague's not around. I might as well upgrade co-host because he's not here. So <laughs> I welcomed uh, I welcomed Bill Prescott, and thank you for— I'm going to go start my weekend. In fact, it's kind of weird. I'm, I was kind of pleasantly surprised that you guys are both guests in my home, and there's still beer left. Yeah, we didn't clean you completely yeah, out. you guys I mean, are all talk. We're not that impolite. There you go. You know, Sprague's a lightweight. He was drinking shandies. We won't tell anybody, <laughs> though. Uh, Bill Prescott, thank you for the beers yesterday and uh, continue to make fun of me for not seeing Star Wars until I come over and watch Star Wars. All right. There you have it. Bill Prescott. Uh, somebody texted in, are we talking football today? Yes, sir, we are. That's coming up next. Uh, we will begin the sports portion of the show with the dumpster fire that is the Washington Redskins quarterback situation. Please stop praising Johnny Manziel. We're off and running on Friday. It is 10-12 on 1080 The Fan. Welcome back in, everybody. Hard count. No Sprague today. He's taking the day off. Nice little three-day weekend for him. Staycation. I love me some staycations. He's doing one today. He'll be back on Monday. Loaded week next week. Uh, I'll let you know about that as we kind of wrap up the show today. Reminder, Chris Borland talk coming at the bottom of the hour. Is he a danger to the NFL? And then at 1045, Josh Sweeney going to join us. Really, really awesome. Really looking forward to this guest. Uh, He's a recipient of the Purple Heart from his time serving in the Marines. Uh, and he is the captain of the U.S. Paralympic sled hockey team. Scored the game-winning goal in the gold medal game against Russia in 2014. So he's going to join us at 10:45. Uh, we're having a little running dialogue with you listeners all day throughout the show, and, and I need suggestions on how to watch Star Wars because I've never seen it. 
Aubrey, one last text and we'll move on to some football talk. Just skip the prequels entirely. You'll be better a better person for it. Uh, think about it. If you could go back and not watch the new Indiana Jones, you would. That's a valid point. Once you watch something like that, uh, you can never unwatch it. So some strong opinions on Star Wars. If you have an opinion on what order I should watch them in, you can let us know at 55305. The fan text line. Swag, how much of the uh, of the Cleveland Browns preseason football slate did you watch last night? Uh, more than I care to admit to, quite frankly. <laughs> Isn't uh, it amazing that preseason football can rope us in? Well, there really wasn't a lot going on. I know you were probably roped into watching. Well, you might have had enough of your Giants not hitting their against AAA the Their AAA roster right now that they're throwing out on a day-to-day basis is getting a little frustrating. So I, I know that, that was going on. Uh, but no, I kind of wanted to see... You know, just it's actually the bad teams or the teams that were bad last year that are most interesting in the preseason. You got higher draft picks. They got high draft picks. Plus, you know, you've got quarterback situations. Can anybody do anything and and move these teams? And it was just it was brutal in the first half. (laughs) Both on both teams, their defenses are better units than their offenses to begin with. You had the Bills who didn't have a tailback or a wide receiver that's going to start on week one. Uh, and I actually thought Tyrod Taylor at that point, considering what he had to work with, he was able to move the team up and down the field pretty well. I was like, man, if you gave him LaShawn McCoy and you gave him Sammy Watkins. Don't fall into that trap, man. Don't fall into that trap. Um, possibly. <laughs> no way. You know, and they've got, um, you know, Roman there now running the yeah. offense. And so I think it'll be a little bit more dynamic than some of the offensive coordinators that Rex Ryan has used in the past. So yeah. he was actually the most impressive thing as far as any of the quarterbacks of what I watched was actually Tyrod Taylor. You weren't impressed with my boy Kirkers? Going 8 of 11, 91 yards, game-winning Come touchdown? On, that, that came all late. It did come late. That's the funny thing. We'll start with, with, the, with the Redskins, whose quarterback situation continues to be up in the air. And unfortunately for football fans, the best quarterback in the National Football League got hurt again last night. How about that? We got to go without seeing number one for a while. Uh, Robert Griffin III sacked three times. Get this stat. This kind of blew me away that he was sacked twice as often as Peyton Manning last year. Despite 348 fewer dropbacks. Yeah. That's got to be. Look, I know the Redskins offensive line is terrible, but isn't that partly on the quarterback as well? Get rid of the football. Find ways. Check down. Throw it out of the back. I mean, just dump it off to somebody. Yep. Clearly, that's it. That's a dual problem, and he's holding on to the ball too long. But Robert Griffin the third goes down. He gets rolled up on. Uh, he had a concussion, although there was differing reports when it originally happened. He finished the night 2 of 5 for 8 yards, 1.6 yard per completion Jake Rudin his coach talked about after the game it doesn't matter about concussion doesn't matter about anything RG3 is still their starting quarterback I would imagine uh you know depending on how long he's out he's still uh gonna be our starter uh, we have to wait and go through the whole process and uh see how he recovers see how fast he recovers but I have no idea as far as third preseason game fourth one right now so it sounds like he'll be back at some point who knows how long it takes him to recover from the concussion but when you look at these quarterback situations in the NFL, and I jokingly said in the report, Isaac and Souk debated that a few weeks back, who has the worst quarterback situation in the entire league? Buffalo's an easy answer. But the Redskins, based on the fact that RG3 simply, when he's on the field, he hasn't been great, and he can't stay on the field, they have to be up there on the running too. Colt McCoy, Kirk Cousins, Robert Griffin III, I don't think anything is going to change from the way it was last year. Well, and I don't think, given what we saw from the offensive line, they had eight pass plays called drop-back pass plays, 
he got drilled on six of them, three sacks and then three hits. You know, the last one, and he, you could tell he was rattled. He fumbled yeah. the ball on that last play when he got dogpiled on, just dropped it, fumbled it because he was scrambling. He was deer in the headlights. He's not, you know, a thick guy to begin with. Nope. You know, people make say Russell Wilson and his size. Russell Wilson's thick. He And he knows how to get down, and he knows when to run out of bounds, and he's starting to know when to throw it away. But RG3 is just scrambling around, you know, trying to do the old gunslinger thing, and he's taking too many hits. He just can't absorb that many hits. No, and, and, and I said it. I think he has to learn how to get rid of the football a little quicker, whether it's checking down, finding short receivers, having hot routes, having something available because we know the offensive line's bad, and, and you get hit that many times. You're right. He was just getting smoked back there. Every time he was in the pocket, it yeah. seemed like he was getting rattled and he was getting hit. And, and this is one of my big fears that I always have for quarterbacks that come into the league as, as mobile guys, that that's kind of what they rely on. And you go back and look at RG3's rushing statistics in his rookie season – 800-some yards. He was average eight yards a carry. I mean, he was all over the place. They went to the playoffs. And and Sprague, as always said, and I tend to agree with him, if he doesn't go down in that playoff game, I tend to think that they probably win that game. They were in control. Seattle came back and won. But as soon as you have a guy that relies so much on running the football, you take their legs out, and RG3 is unable to run the football the way he was his rookie season, you you look like a human quarterback. And that's what RG3 has looked like the last couple of years. And it, it is unfortunate to watch. It is because he was fun. You know, I know some people don't like his personality. I tend to kind of laugh when he has comments like saying he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But he was, he seemed like he was an up and coming superstar. I saw Darren Ravel tweeted the other day that he, in the year span of his rookie year, he sold more jerseys than any player in the history of the NFL. He really was a phenomenon that first year in the league. And he just has not been able to stay on the field. And last night was another example of that. Well, and then you get uh, your starting tight end that went down in the first preseason game. Is it me? I don't want to go. Th- I don't want to go. You know, theater of the mind right now. Current, just saying, like we do all the time. There's more than there's ever been. But doesn't it feel like there's more injuries this preseason? It certainly than there's been? does seem that way. There is, uh, you know, the problem is for Roger Goodell and the NFL and the owners, the stuff they really should be focused on, they can't because they keep stepping in it of their own doing with the deflake nonsense and all this other stuff. They need to figure out where rosters should be, how many games they actually want to play to keep the TV networks happy, how many preseason games are actually necessary. Because to me, four is too many. And, and I think oh, most football no fans tend to agree with that. So, you know, if they want to do these joint practice sort of situations, I would say do those early on, have a scrimmage somewhere that's just open to fans, you know, kind of a, a, a regulated like a spring game kind like of a thing, spring game sort yeah. of thing. Have that count for week one. You only need two preseason games, I'm guessing. And then you can have almost, you know, the last thing. You know, maybe an inner squad sort of thing and a fan day where you're trying to figure out who your last guys are going to be. Um, that's probably all you need. Well, I mean, especially so you look at that fourth game. Nobody plays in the fourth game. No, the no third game is when play. I mean, that's when guys will go usually a first half, maybe three quarters. Well, they like to bring them out. Yeah, they like to bring the starters out after halftime to make some adjustments, have them play a series or two at that point. And then the fourth game, no, I mean, nobody even dresses. There's no, no point in even playing that game. No, it's, it's all guys that are trying to grab the last couple of roster who's spots. Who's going to be on your uh, your gunner on your punt team? That's what yep. you're finding out in week four. Exactly. Who your you know who your fifth or sixth yeah. defensive back's going to be. You know, on the offensive line, who's going to be the seventh or eighth? You know, are you going to keep eight offensive linemen, just seven? Who are those guys going to be? That's what it's all about. So 
I think if you, you know, the trick is the owners have to find a way where they feel like they can recoup that revenue from one less ticket. And it's just one less ticket. If you get rid of two games, that's a home. It's a little bit different. Yeah. So it's just one game, home game, home revenue. And you can find a way to make I that think money. You can find else. a way to make that back, especially if they expand by, you know, if you expand a regular season, put one game in, and then you expand, if they expand the playoffs at that point and add another wild card team. Yeah, I'm with you. I'll, I'll just quickly mention Johnny Manziel played last night, and there are some people that are freaking out that probably should not be. He led a touchdown drive in the third quarter of a preseason game in week two of the preseason. Uh, he also failed to complete a two minute. Uh, two minutes. Yeah, that was a debacle. He had a chance to complete some third down. He yeah. he has no he he can't fire the ball. Even that touchdown pass that he made, it, it barely got there. The guy yeah. had him beat, and he had to like hold up. He had for a perfect it. pocket form. The I problem mean, was on. Josh McCown threw two bad interceptions in the fir- <laughs> with the ones. We are so desperate for regular season football, man. Breaking down preseason, baby. I love it. It was fun. We get roped into it. There was a lot, a lot of football going on last night. We'll continue some football talk coming up next. Uh, is Chris Borland the most dangerous man to the NFL? One article says yes. I tend to agree with it. What do you think? We got some audio. He had some really strong comments, just not just about the NFL, but about the game of football itself that I think will will surprise some folks. We'll, so we'll play some of that audio for you next and talk about his decision to walk away in the prime of his career. But first, the man who wears Clayton Kershaw underoos to bed, Jason Swigard with a Sports Center update. In 15 minutes, Josh Swee is going to join me. He's the captain of the U.S. Paralympic sled hockey team, a recipient of the Purple Heart during his time serving in the Marines. An unbelievable story, and he is partnering with the Portland Winterhawks to do some really cool things. Uh, so really excited to talk to him. He's going to come on at 1045. Top of the hour, we'll talk about the Football Writers Association of America 75th Anniversary All-America Teams. I'm curious to get uh, a young Sparky's perspective on this. And- <laughs> there was one name, and I, I was joking with intern White CJ before the show. I know why this name is not on the list, but it's still egregious that it's not on. So I'll tell you what that is, top of okay. the hour. Uh, and I'm going to need some historical perspective on some of these players. I can offer a little bit, but there's some guys that go way, way back. Yeah, there's, they so. went they went way back in time for a few of these names that I didn't I didn't even recognize. So we'll get to that top of the hour, uh, and then some other good stuff. Final hour. So we got about an hour and a half left before we start our weekend. Looking forward to it. Uh, Chris Borland, we all remember him. He walked away from the National Football League after playing one season in San Francisco. Really seemed to be starting a, a bright career, and it shocked the football world when he decided to walk away. And he recently is back in the news. There's a, a story that he did for ESPN, the magazine, which will be running in their August 31st, uh, 31st NFL preview issue. Um, and there was one tidbit that came out of this that I thought was extremely interesting. And that is about a month after he retired from the league. He was just sitting around. It was in April or May, sitting around at his house. They requested him to to do a drug test. They wanted to see if he had been on drugs. And that was the reason that he quit the NFL, and he was thinking to himself, why do they want me to take a drug? This doesn't make any sense. I'm not playing anymore. Trying I, to avoid his, whatever pension benefits he may I, have earned I don't know. Something? Yeah, it was it was very interesting, and, and he was kind of shocked by it. So uh, he had a quote, I figured if I said no, people would think I was on drugs, uh, and he would believe that would ruin his life. So he went on to, to take the drug test, and he was cleared. Uh, but I thought that was interesting because he had already notified everybody he had walked away, and he'd done the Outside the Lines interview. I remember we played audio when that happened, but he sat down for an interview with ESPN, the magazine, and he had some really strong things to say about the game of football that I'm sure are going to rub some folks the, the wrong way. And I want to play some of this audio for you 
uh, and get the listener reaction on this. You can text in at 55305 at the fan text line. We'll just start with just kind of the basic. Here is Chris Borland talking to ESPN the Magazine about why he retired. Well, I think it was a, a culmination of a number of things. Um, it's a unique decision to me. I'd done a lot of research um, of what I had experienced in my past, um, projected to what I would have to do to be the linebacker I wanted to be. Um, and for me, it wasn't worth the risk. Um, not to say it's a certainty. Um, I could be wrong. I hope I'm not. I hope I am wrong, honestly. But uh, for me, it was it was the right decision. Well, and, and that's kind of where I want to start is, is I wonder if folks think that this is going to become a trend in the National Football League or if this is the outlier of not seeing folks walk away from the game in their prime. I don't, I don't expect it to become a trend. I think you still wonder how many guys that get to the NFL have another career option that can provide them the, the riches and the spoils and the opportunities that, that the NFL does. Uh, I think it's a minority of guys that, that could go do something else and, and have a successful career on a national, international platform like that. So I think for that reason, I don't think you'll see this a ton, but I think it will have a lot of guys start asking a lot more questions, being a lot more aware and concerned about how things are done in the NFL. Well, yeah, and, and all the information is out there now for for guys that are playing in the league. Everybody knows about the risks of football, and, and Chris Borland obviously did his own research and decided to walk away. Uh, here he is again talking about, this is just him basically talking about concussions. Any statistic you see on concussions is beneath the reality because players never tell anyone they're concussed. And uh, I was one of those perpetrators of that lie. So um, I always take with a grain of salt whenever I hear something uh, about X amount of concussions per involvement in a sport or about, you know, this guy had two diagnosed. Well, he definitely had more. Yeah, and, and Borland continued. It, it just kind of all goes along this same track. And, and I wanted to play a couple more of these pieces for you. He had a, a message to the parents of kids that are playing football. I think the, the thing that I can convey to youth and to parents is just make an informed decision. Um, if you weigh the risks and you decide this is something you want to partake in, it's a free country, and the NFL, you know, will exist for a long time. It's they make a lot of money, so um, you have the freedom to do what you want, and I think that's important. Um, however, I would just, if I could, relay a message to kids to their parents, it'd be twofold: one, just make an informed decision, and two, don't play through concussions. Yeah, and and I agree with that. I think that's a good message to send. One last one, and then we'll get some reaction on this. He talked about the fear of of continuing to play in the league after only playing one year in the NFL. He decides to walk away. Here's him on his fears of continuing to play in the NFL. You know, brain disease, frankly. Um, And not to say that um, players who've played for a long time, who've played, been physical players, um, that it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, But to me, um, it just, the chance of that happening uh, was more of a negative than the positive that my potential career could be. So we already got a thought in coming in from uh, P1JW. He thinks this is the, the outlier of the situation, but he has a lot of respect for the decision that that Chris Borland made to walk away after one year in, in the National Football League. And, and the, the strong comments came. Let me read a couple of these for you. This was not a, a part of the audio, but he basically said that playing in the National Football League and playing football is dehumanizing. Uh, get this quote, dehumanizing sounds so extreme, but when you're fighting for a football at the bottom of pile, it is kind of dehumanizing. Uh, it's like a spectacle of violence for entertainment and your actors in it. You're complicit in that. You put on the uniform and that it's a trivial thing at its core. It's make-believe, really. That's the truth about it. Oh, well, in a certain, in a certain, from a certain standpoint, yes. If you step back and look at, you know, how the NFL and, and football has become 
so important given what it actually is when you break it down to its bare bones? Yes. But, you know, how many, how many different things in our society can we... You, know, you make that same analogy that for. to the yeah. Kardashians for crying out loud. <laughs> right. I mean, any movie, any TV show, any. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and he's as long as he owns his decision and say, you know, I just I couldn't. It wasn't worth the risk understanding just what was really going on, even though you have the chance to, you know, be paid a lot of money and get a lot of fame and notoriety. Um, it just wasn't worth it all for him for what he was risking. So, uh, you know. As long as he owns that and doesn't doesn't necessarily blame the NFL, he just says, this is what's going on. This is the conclusion I came to. It's scary. Um, there's not a lot of regard mm-hmm. or not a true understanding of just how seriously guys are affected. We're just starting to understand that right. now. I'm fine with it. Well, and I think he highlighted something that's important to, to remember. And I think that is kind of – whenever you talk to, to folks who played college football or NFL, and we got a couple of them walking around the building, and, and it's always fun to pick their brain on this stuff. But the, the warrior mentality, I think, gets a lot of guys in trouble. And, and as he said there, you know – there's a certain number of reported concussions. You're never going to know the exact number because they're not all re- reported. I mean, I remember, I, I always bring this up when this conversation comes up, is Brian Erlacher had a comment where he said anytime he ever got a concussion, he would walk over to the sideline and tell the trainers he sprained his ankle. Because if you have a concussion or you say, hey, I got my bell rung or I think I have a concussion, you got to pass all sorts of protocols to get back in the game. He'd walk over, say, ah, just roll yeah. my ankle, I'll be fine, give me a play or two, and then he'd run right back out there. I think that culture is kind of what does a lot more damage than if you just were simply able to go over and say, I, I, my bell got rung. I need to take a couple plays off. I, that's it. That's an extreme well, that the NFL needs to do uh, something about. Yeah, and the whole culture, that culture is so embedded. It's going to take even you yeah. know, more generations of people coming up, you know, through the ranks and into the coaching. I, I, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that have been coaching, you know, 20, 30 years in the NFL that still have a hard time, you know, understanding, you know, guys get hurt and not holding it against them. Yeah. That they're not available, and right, this is right. this is the way. It's things not a are. sign of weakness. It's not a it's, sign of weakness right, at right. all. You're not soft. You're yeah, and I think that's the, the culture that they need to get away from. Your some of your thoughts at uh, the fan text. I already read JW. You said it's an outlier, but respect his decision. Uh, let's see here. Somebody chimed in. This is not the first time this has happened where a player left in their prime or when they were still productive. Look at Barry Sanders or Robert Smith. Uh, they both walked away. Uh, where did it go? Some players le- will leave early for whatever reason they have. I don't think this will be the sole reason the NFL declines in popularity, though kudos to Chris for doing what is best for him. Uh, here's one more thought. The story of concussion of concussions tends to compare potential harm in the NFL to the effects in any other workplace. They're woefully inaccurate. 12 people die each year at regular jobs in the U.S. Uh, hundreds of thousands are harmed each year. Tens of thousands will get disabilities from working a regular job. Yes, the NFL is risky, but so are so many other jobs uh, of people who are listening. And and look, I, I understand that point as well. There's risks in everything. And I thought, you know, I, I was kind of walking past Cam and Dusty was there getting ready for the show and Cam's back from vacation today and he was talking about this audio. And and while he respects Borland, the, the main thing that he highlighted that I tend to agree with is that he made this decision and everything that he is saying here is based out of fear. And, and I don't want to make that sound like the concussion thing is not a real issue for the NFL. It is. And I think long-term it, it's going to have some some detrimental effects to the National Football League, especially when you look at the participation levels for kids that are that are not playing. They're going to play in soccer or basketball or, or or baseball or other sports instead of football because parents are holding them out. But everything that Chris Borland does say is, is, is out of fear and it's out of potential of injury. And as this listener points out, 
every there's a lot of jobs out there that have potential harmful injuries that could happen where a forklift falls or you're, you're a fisherman or whatever it might be. There are a lot of dangers out there. And to live out of fear, I'm not necessarily 100% certain I can jump completely behind that. I do respect him for his decision. I think it's it's a brave decision. I do think we will see it from more people. As Swag said, it all depends on your economic and sociological background. Do you have something else you can do? Some people don't. Chris Borland sounds like he does. All right, extremely excited for our next guest. He is the captain of the U.S. Paralympic sled hockey team. Scored the game-winning goal in the gold medal game against Russia in 2014. He's a recipient of the Purple Heart during his time serving in the Marines. He's going to tell you why he's in Portland and what he's doing with the Winterhawks this weekend. Josh Sweeney joins me next on 1080 The Fan. Welcome back in, everybody. Dirt and Sprague, hard count served up, as always, by Buffalo Wild Wings. No Sprague today. He's taking the afternoon off. He'll be back, and we will be back at full strength on Monday at 10 a.m. Big Week in Sports coming up next week. We'll get you set for that to close out the show. Coming up at the top of the hour, the uh, Football Writers Association of America came out with their 75th anniversary All-America teams. We'll see if you agree or disagree. And I got a name that should be on that list that did not make it, and I will let you know who that is. Extremely excited uh, for our next guest. His credentials speak for themselves. Let me set this up quickly. Uh, He is the captain of the U.S. Paralympic sled hockey team. He scored the game-winning goal against Russia in the gold medal game in 2014. He is a recipient of the Purple Heart during his time serving in the Marines. He also became the winner of the inaugural Pat Tillman Award for Service at the 2014 SB Awards. His name is Josh Sweeney. You can find him on Twitter at SledSweeney13. He joins us on the Gil Mortgage mobile hotline he and fellow national sled hockey team member luke mcdermott will host a free introductory sled hockey clinic this sunday uh from 5 30 to 7 at the winterhawks skating center uh josh uh, first and foremost thank you for your service and, and second thank you for taking a few minutes to to talk to us about this awesome event going on this weekend uh, i want to start with some background on you though I, i'm curious w- was hockey always a passion for you was it always a love for you before you you served or was it something that you got into after you got out of the service yeah, no, I, uh, well, first of all, thank you for, for having me on the show. And then, um, yeah, I, so I started playing hockey in junior high. I had a buddy that played roller hockey and he said, Hey, come on out and roller hockey, as most of you probably know, is a lot cheaper than ice hockey. <laughs> yeah. So I was able to go out and try it. And as soon as I did, uh, I was hooked. Yeah. I just kind of fell in love with the sport. I'm curious kind of on a macro level as well. And it's something I've talked about a lot on the show why do you think hockey is not a bigger deal in this country? Because you look at what goes into it, and it feels like it's everything Americans love in sports. It's up-tempo. There's fighting. There's action. I mean, it's nonstop action. Why do you think it's not a bigger <laughs> deal here in, in America? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, because it, it is. It's totally something that the hockey fans, I mean, when they when they see it or anybody that ever watches hockey, they go, holy smokes, this is a sweet game. And, you know, and they want to see more. Um, I think it's just something that, I don't know. Maybe he's coming in late compared yeah. to football and everybody's just not there yet. But well, no, it is. It's an amazing game. Yeah, hopefully hopefully it's booming. We're talking to Josh Sweeney. Uh, he's the captain of the U.S. Paralympic sled hockey team. He is going to be in Portland this weekend hosting a free introductory sled hockey clinic this Sunday, uh, 7 p.m., 5.30 to 7 at the Winterhawks Skating Center. So for, for some folks that don't know how this works, how does sled hockey work? I mean, how different is the equipment? Are there different rules? Kind of walk us through how this sport works. Yeah, so sled hockey, all the rules, I mean, if you've seen a hockey game and you can somewhat understand the rules, then they're all the same. And the only difference is, is instead of using our legs to move around the ice, we use our arms. So we sit in a sled or basically it's like a plastic molded bucket that we sit in that has a metal frame attached underneath. And 
on the bottom of that is two uh, regular skate blades um, that we are able to sit on and, and move around the ice. And then in order to move and propel ourselves, we have two shorter type hockey sticks that have spikes on the end. And hmm. we basically use those in like a cross country skiing motion to move around the ice. And, and then when we want to handle the puck, we just turn the stick over and you have the blade on the, on the really, I mean, I guess the top, depending how you're looking at it, and you just turn it over and then you can handle the puck, pass, shoot. Um, but the only other rule that's different is there's no T-boning. So just like in a, in a car accident, if you hit mm. somebody head on as they're moving, you know, from side to side in front of you, then that's a penalty uh, just because it is, I mean, metal going into the side and it, it <laughs> right. doesn't feel all that great. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine that'd be a little painful, a little dangerous as well. Josh Sweeney uh, is our guest hosting a free introductory sled hockey clinic this Sunday at the Winterhawk Skating Center, 530 uh, to 7 p.m. How did this partnership start with the Winterhawks? You know, I'm a big hockey fan here. I grew up in Portland. I've been going to Winterhawks games for years. Uh, how, how did this partnership come about, and, and how did you begin working with the Winterhawks? Yeah, so really, I mean, I um, I initially found out that Portland was interested in a sled hockey program back in 2010 when they held a sled hockey clinic here, and I was coming up to visit family at the same time. It just so happened that I had just started playing sled hockey and one of my buddies was coming up here to work it or work the clinic and kind of show how to play. And uh, so I was able to get on. And then as soon as I realized that Portland was interested, um, you know, that was on the map. And then four years mm -hmm. later, when my wife and I decided to move here because she had family here, I just basically contacted the Winterhawk skating center and uh, a couple of the other rinks around town because I was looking for ice for myself to be able to continue to train. Mm -hmm. And I got in touch with some of the, um, members, uh, some of the staff at the Winterhawks and the um, Winterhawks Amateur Hockey Association, their nonprofit side of the Winterhawks. And they basically said that we'd love to have a sled hockey program. We just haven't really known how to do it. And we hadn't had anyone to be able to coach. So now that you're here, uh, why don't we get it going? And <laughs> I was all for it. So we've just been talking and doing everything we can um to get it going yeah it's it's an awesome partnership and and you guys are putting on a clinic this weekend 5 30 to 7 and that's just kind of to, to introduce people to the sport and and to let people come out and try it out and, and all the equipment is going to be provided for folks that that do show up but i i kind of understand that the ultimate goal here is eventually you guys want to want to start a team in portland a portland sled hockey team uh, is there Definitely. a league i mean how does is there are multiple teams in multiple cities how, how does that work yeah so just like um just like regular sports, I mean, there's so right now there's about three or four different leagues around the country. Um, I think the biggest one right now is the Midwest Sled Hockey League, which San Antonio played in, which that's where I started playing. And, you know, we would travel to um, Colorado and uh, Chicago, Minnesota, some other places. And um, the West Coast is actually your Western side of the country is actually working on starting a league right now. Uh, so that's why that's another reason we're pushing to get guys out and playing and, and hopefully have enough interested to be able to get a team together because we have already teams established in Seattle, uh, San Francisco, hmm. San Diego, uh, Colorado has a team and really they want to be able to get the West coast or the West side of the country involved in sled hockey. So it's uh, we're kind of, Oh, and then Alaska as well. So we're kind of like the last city on the map, the last major city to get one going here. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Josh Sweeney is our guest. He's going to be at the Winterhawks Training uh, Skating Center Sunday, August 23rd, 5.30 to 7 p.m. His uh, credentials speak for themselves. And before I let you go, Josh, anything you want the folks to know that maybe are thinking about showing up, they want to come out, they want to try it out, any pertinent details they should know for Sunday? I guess the biggest thing would be you want to wear closed-toed shoes and you want to wear sweatpants or some kind of warmer leggings um, because – it gets a little cold if you're sitting in the yeah. mud for a while and you're not moving all that fast. But I think the biggest thing is, is if, if you're even interested at all and you're maybe a little nervous about coming out because you don't know how you'll do, uh, I can tell you right now, you're not going to do that great, but you're going to have a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And really that's all we're trying to do with this sled hockey program here in Portland is provide an outlet or maybe a sport for, for someone to become interested in and, and just have a lot of fun with. Yeah, that's very cool. Josh Sweeney is the captain of the U.S. Paralympic sled hockey team. He scored the game-winning goal against Russia in the gold medal game in 2014. He's also a recipient of the Purple Heart during his time serving in the Marines. You can find him on Twitter, at SledSweeney13. Josh, it's, it's, it's awesome. I'm glad you guys are in Portland. I'm glad you guys are partnering with the Winterhawks. This is a great cause, and, and thanks so much for taking a few minutes for us. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. There you have it, Josh Sweeney. Uh, it, it's really cool. And, and for you folks that are maybe thinking about, hey, I want to try that out. I want to look for a way... Uh, to get involved, all the equipment is going to be provided for you. Check-in will begin at 4 o'clock uh, for registered participants on Sunday. The actual campus from 5.30 to 7 at the Winterhawks Skating Center. If you're interested in signing up, you know anyone interested uh, for signing up, you just got to contact Jill at the Winterhawks. Her email is jillb, J-I-L-L-B, at winterhawks.com. It's just kind of the first step in creating Portland's own sled hockey team program and and as I mentioned there, Josh, a recipient of the Purple Heart during his time in the Marines, his partner who's going to be there, one of his teammates will be there as well, Luke McDermott, uh, also served in the Marines. He is a member of the U.S. National Sled Hockey Team as well, uh, and he's going to represent the country here coming up in the 2015 World Championship. So really great cause, and I highly suggest you go check it out if, if you know anybody that's interested. Uh, it's really cool, and I'm glad the Winterhawks are, are doing something like that. Awesome stuff. All righty, one hour down, one to go. 75th anniversary college football team was announced earlier this week. Somebody got hosed, man, and I'm not happy about it. That's all next. You're listening to ESPN Sports Radio 1080 The Fan.